Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today we're speaking with Bart Wallet. He's a professor of early modern and modern Jewish history at the University of Amsterdam and an editor of the European Journal of Jewish Studies. And we're talking with Laura Almagor. She's a lecturer in 20th century European history at the University of Sheffield and the book review editor of the EJJS. Their special collection is Yiddish in Europe. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So first of all, just tell me a bit, how did you come up with the idea for these special collections? Well, we uh, just started as a new editorial team in Journal of Jewish Studies. Um, and, and we saw that our journal now exists for 15 years. Um, and there are many excellent articles in it uh, on a variety of, of topics. Um, and what we wanted is not only to publish uh, like new issues and new scholarship, but as well to scholarship um, uh, relevant articles that we published before um, uh, to a broader um, uh, audience. At the same time, so we, we want um, uh, articles from our archives to be public for a larger audience, but as well, of course, uh, attract new attention to the journal. So we decided to go through the, the, the entire list of all the articles we've published in these 15 years, uh, and we noted uh, several clusters of, uh, of scholarship. And uh, one of these, these clusters is um, uh, Yiddish in, in Europe. So that's a really interesting uh, concentration, Yiddish in Europe. Uh, can you just elaborate, how does Yiddish intersect with other parts of Jewish studies? Well, um, Yiddish, of course, is a, um, a diasporic language. Diasporic in the sense that, uh, on the one hand, it's part of the uh, family of um, Germanic languages, and on the other hand, um, it's written in uh, Hebrew characters, uh, and uh, with a lot of influence from uh, Hebrew um, uh, from Aramaic, um, um, and in that sense, it's 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 a typical uh, a fusion uh, a language. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, while we are at the journal for um, Jewish studies in in Europe, um, uh, it's, uh, Yiddish is is very close to the core of our uh, of our scholarship and our our research. And uh, there there there's there are so ma- many um, resources, um, uh, archives, uh, materials in Yiddish. Uh, if you want to study uh, the history uh, and culture of European Jews, um, that uh, well, Yiddish is the great way in into this whole uh, field. Um, and by, by studying uh, Yiddish and by concentrating on Yiddish, uh, you're opening up uh, both the like the medieval, the early modern and the modern period up until the uh, contemporary time. By taking uh, Yiddish in Europe as our first theme for this special collection, uh, we want to demonstrate as well um, how variated uh, and, and how diverse the field of Jewish studies actually is. And, uh, and Yiddish in Europe, in that sense, is an, is an excellent way in, uh, in demonstrating uh, what, we, what we have uh, in the field. You talk about the challenges you want to pose for readers here, but um, as researchers, you came across a couple of challenges yourself when it came to analyzing Yiddish. 
Um, for example, can you tell us a bit about Bergenland and the challenge of analyzing Yiddish from that region? We included an article by uh, Lia uh, Schaefer um, on uh, the, the position of Yiddish in uh, the Burgenland uh, region. Now, this is a region uh, which presently is part of uh, Austria, uh, but historically um, uh, used to be part of Hungary um, in, in the greater Austro-Hungarian um, um, uh, Empire. Um, and uh, this is a, 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 an interesting case, as uh, we, we didn't know that much about Yiddish uh, spoken uh, and written uh, in, in the Burgenland uh, region. Um, and Leah Schaefer is actually the very first to study this. Um, and, uh, and she demonstrates in her article that the Burgenland region um, is, is, is fascinating because it um, it's, it's, a, it's a region uh, in which the, the two uh, major variants of, of Yiddish, the Western Yiddish, mostly spoken in Western uh, Europe, and Eastern Yiddish, mostly spoken in Central and Eastern Europe, um, in, in some sort of way meet each other in the Burgenland uh, region. And she, she demonstrates by studying um, the, uh, the resources that are still uh, there. It is, is no longer spoken in the Burgenlands region. Um, so um, she had to collect um, all possible kinds of, of sources and materials. Um, and she did a great job in that. And, um, and she demonstrates that actually the Burgenlands region is a transition zone from uh, one variant of Yiddish, from Western Yiddish to Eastern uh, Yiddish. Um, and and this, this helped us to better conceptualize as well um, uh, Yiddish uh, and, and prevent two ridges, um, um, uh, borders uh, between Western Yiddish on the one hand and Eastern Yiddish on the other hand. And the Burgenland region helps us to rethink the whole um, um, uh, linguistic um, uh, um, a legacy of, of um, uh, the historic Yiddish spoken in, in Europe. And so in that sense, it, um, this article um, is, um, is pioneering and, uh, and, and, and we hope that others will, will study um, other um, regions as well um, uh, and, and, and the local Yiddish uh, spoken there in, in order to enrich our uh, understanding of, of Yiddish in Europe. So there's a Western Yiddish and an Eastern Yiddish Yiddish. Um, how many different dialects are you dealing with here exactly? Oh, there, there are many dialects. Uh, um, uh, so uh, within Western Yiddish, for instance, there's a difference between the Yiddish spoken in the Alsace region in uh, uh, on the borders between France and, and, and Germany, the Yiddish spoken in Switzerland, uh, the Yiddish spoken in the Netherlands. Um, um, so uh, even uh, like in, in Western Yiddish, um, which um, nowadays is um, mostly it vanished. Uh, we don't have uh, speakers of Western Yiddish anymore. Um, we only have um, a multitude of historical uh, sources and, and uh, archives uh, documenting uh, uh, Western Yiddish. Um, so uh, already uh, there we see um, um, uh, uh, how, how rich Yiddish as a language used to be. Now, the Yiddish presently uh, still spoken in, um, uh, for instance, in Antwerp or in London uh, or in Manchester or in New York uh, or in Israel um, is mostly Eastern Yiddish um, with um, differences between um, Litvak, Lithuanian Yiddish, between Polish, uh, Galician Yiddish, Hungarian Yiddish. 
Um, uh, so there are many, in that sense, many dialects uh, um, with brown characteristics. And um, uh, well, this article helped us to put um, the Burgenland uh, um, uh, variant. So I'm curious, were there any articles in particular that really stood out to you here, Bart? really struck me was the article by Efrat Galet um, on um, a very well-known Yiddish uh, a poet, uh, Manger. But there is uh, an element in his, um, uh, in his poetry that, to, at least to some, is a bit confusing, uh, as he has written uh, a whole series of, um, of, of poems uh, on, on Christ, on Jesus Christ. And of course, in, in Judaism uh, and in Jewish culture, um, this is uh, a bit problematic, um, uh, and still, um, uh, Munger is is doing this, um, and um, um, Efrat Galet tries to understand why he was doing it, and and uh, what exactly he is, he is projecting uh, on the the Christ figure, um, uh, and and he sees in the Christ figure uh, uh, um, a figure his own helplessness, uh, for instance, uh, reflected. Um, but she also demonstrates that. Um, uh, throughout his career, um, um, uh, another historical person, um, uh, the Baal Shem Tov, the, the founding father of, uh, of Hasidism, um, uh, assumes this role for him. Um, so he moves in a way from this um, uh, uh, more or less Christian orientation to a Hasidic, uh, um, uh, authentic Jewish uh, um, uh, uh, location uh, for, for his, um, his self-image uh, uh, as well and in his self-fashioning uh, as well. Um, so um, uh, Baal Shem Tov, or uh, like Best, as he is also called, um, uh, assumes this role. And uh, she, she, she demonstrates that certain aspects of this um, metaphor of Christ uh, um, is now taken over by, uh, by the Best, uh, and that um, by in, in this new cycle of, of poems, we... Um, um, encounter uh, Itzik Manger that, um, that is so familiar to many of us. So, Laura, looking forward, uh, what plans do you have for reviews and essays? Thank you, Lee. Um, so the one thing to, to start off with is um, to very happily say that uh, for the editorial team as a whole, the review section is, is a very important and integral part of the journal. Um, and since we agree on the importance of this section, uh, that is uh, obviously a really great starting point moving forward. And uh, in, in reshaping the section as a whole, uh, I think there's both elements of continuity and change in the way I and we as an editorial team see this part of the journal. Um, so in terms of the continuity, um, there will be traditional book reviews, uh, which, which have great merit, which are very important for, for the field and also to create a platform uh, for discussion of new titles in the field of European Jewish studies. So this element of more traditional, single-authored, mono-book-focused book reviews Views will will be retained, uh, but at the same time, equally importantly, and with that, I come to the element of change, um, are um, or is is an increased focus on what we call review essays, in which one author, one um, um, specialist in a particular field, will discuss several titles side by side, um, and with that, exceed the traditional idea of reviewing a book for its merits, but 
really also focusing on larger trends um, in the field of European Jewish uh, studies. Uh, and, and by offering this, this option, this um, product of the review essay, I think we open up the opportunity for in the review section as well. Now, review essays uh, are, uh, on the one hand, better for the author. Uh, the author can really use the opportunity to reflect on a field or a subfield as a whole. Um, at, at the same time, I also think that review essays that include more book titles and more uh, and wider reflections on the field uh, are better for the scholarly community. It really uh, creates uh, scholarly pieces that are very helpful, especially for scholars entering into a new uh, subfield within Jewish studies, wanting to acquaint themselves with the state of the art or the new trends uh, in a particular direction. And, uh, and here I also speak, uh, speak, this also speaks to my own experiences as an educator. Uh, review essays are often a very good starting point for teaching uh, on a certain subject. Uh, so hopefully these articles will also be uh, useful in an educational sense. Uh, and then finally, it's it's also really good for book authors if their book is not only discussed uh, in, in the more traditional review uh, format, but is also placed side by side alongside other titles and is really embedded in, in a larger analysis of, uh, of, field, of, of fields of trends, of discourses, etc. Uh, so this, this about the review essay personally find very important, a focus, a focal point that I would like to include is to very consciously choose uh, female authors to be discussed in the review section and also female reviewers to have their place. Uh, this is not to say that this hasn't happened in the past, but I think it's a very important thing to be very conscious about uh, diversity and equality, both in terms of the works that are discussed and those that are invited to discuss them. Um, and then finally, um, in terms of the kinds of topics, and that brings me back to the review essays, uh, just to give you two examples, um, one will focus on Jewish internationalism or Jewish history and internationalism, which I think is a very exciting um, recently developed field in many ways where a lot of younger scholars are, are working, are, are exploring related topics. So there is a bunch of interesting recent publications that that can and will be discussed within the scope of this, uh, this article. Um, and another topic that is currently in the pipeline of the intersection between Jewish studies and Romani studies in the context of Holocaust studies, but I think also uh, much more beyond just purely Holocaust studies, but really um, critically reflecting on where we are in terms of the intersections, the conversations that are very productively happening between Jewish studies and Romani studies. Um, so that just as, a, as, a, as a, a taster of what is to come, and hopefully that will also interest uh, listeners. Well, looking forward to uh, reading all of that and seeing what's next to come. Uh, that's Laura Almagor and Bart Wallet. Their special collection is Yiddish in Europe. Thank you again to you both. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. 